Well, good morning, everybody. It's so glad to be here in the house of the Lord. Thank you for joining us in person and online. How many of you know that there is joy in the house of the Lord? Amen. Come on, let's stand. Let's put our hands together as we bless the Lord this morning. Lord, 
Jesus. You deserve it all this morning, Lord. You deserve it all this morning, Jesus. Hallelujah. We just bless your name this morning, Lord. Come on, let's just take a moment right here. The Lord is in this place. We worship you, Jesus. Just let the worship just flow from your lips this morning. We love you, Lord. Christ the solid rock I stand All other ground is sinking sand All other ground is Oh, Christ the Son. 
for giving us the gift of your spirit today, Lord. Thank you, Father. Lord, may power come from your spirit as we worship, Lord, refilled, renewed, restrengthened, encouraged to do the work that you've called us to do, Lord, to be all that you've called us to be. Lord, we thank you this morning, Lord. Lord, we look to you today, Lord, not to ourselves, not to this service, not to the music, not to the preaching. We look to you today, Jesus to you, Lord. We need you this morning, Lord. God, your word reminds us, apart from you, Lord, we can do nothing, Lord. And oh God, in a simple admission, we say together, Lord, we can do nothing without you, Lord. Fill us today. Encourage us. Let fresh life come from your presence this morning, Lord. Lift us up in your presence today, Lord. And God, we're going to praise you for every wonderful thing you're going to do here this morning every life that you're going to touch, every heart that's going to be strengthened, we're going to praise you for it, Lord. And it's in Jesus' name we pray, and we all said, Amen. 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 We thank the Lord. Sure foundation. It's so wonderful to see you this morning. We want to welcome you today. Would you take a moment and find two or three people around you? Greet them and welcome them this morning.
welcome you today to All Nations Church. We're so glad you're here today. And we want to welcome some very special guests. And that are all of our friends who are joining us for the first time in person and watching online for the first time today. Can we put our hands together and appreciate them today? We're glad you're with us this morning. We hope you'll take a moment and fill out a connect card. And we would love to join you on your journey of following Jesus together. And all of our friends watching all over the world today, we want to welcome you as well. We're so grateful for the wonderful things that God is doing in the life of our church. And we want to remind you and invite you to be with us for prayer meeting coming up this Wednesday at 7 p.m., a free dinner at 6. And if you have some time in the middle of your day this Wednesday, we'd love to have you for midday prayer, a wonderful time to be together, find encouragement, strength, just take some time and just listen to the Lord. It's been wonderful times in midday prayer. And we're so grateful for uh, you and those who have been a part and praying and the prayer requests that you have submitted. We've been praying over them and we want to continue praying over any needs you might have. If you take a moment and fill out a prayer request card, we'll be sure to pray over those uh, this coming up prayer meeting as well. And we want to remind you of just a few things that are happening. Uh, Grief Share has started a new session. If you'd like to sign up for that, you can jump in at any time to be a part of Grief Share Ministry that happens here every Thursday at 6 p.m., a grief support group, and it's free of charge. We'd love to have you. If that's something you need in your life, you can go to the online, allnationschurch.org slash ANC groups, and I know that they would be encouraged to have you there. And we also want to remind you, Bible study happening as well throughout this month on the second and fourth Tuesday of this month, and we want to invite you to be a part of Bible study as they continue to study the book of Titus. And I know you'll be encouraged through that as well. And also, we want to say, as always, we appreciate your faithful giving, tithes and offerings and all that you're doing to give unto the Lord. It is making a difference in the kingdom of God right here in Newport News, right in this church. So thank you for that. Thank you for all that you're doing to be a part of that. And we want to continue to pray this morning that God would multiply all that we give unto him and use it for his glory. Lord, we thank you today. Thank you for all that you've blessed us with here today. All the strength that you've given us uh, through the brothers and sisters of God coming together, finding encouragement one with another. And Lord, today we just pray that you would continue to bless all of the giving here this morning, Lord, that God, you will supply all of our needs, Lord, as a church and as individuals, Lord. We come to you, Lord, depending on you, Father, leaning on you, Lord Jesus. We know we're going to trust in you, not in our earthly ways, but we're going to lean on you this morning, Jesus. Supply our needs, supply the needs of this church, and Lord, to you be the glory for how you will make a way. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. amen. You can give in the back, in the lobby, through a giving envelope, or you can go online, allnationschurch.org slash give. And we want to invite you to stand with us this morning, and then as you're standing today, the choir is going to give us an encouraging song. Would you put your hands together for the All Nations Church Choir?
Isn't it wonderful God can do what seems like a rough thing and make it into a good thing? Yes. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you this morning, Lord. Thank you for your grace today, Lord. Thank you for help that you give from heaven this morning, Lord. God, I'm reminded today it's not by might, it's not by power, but it's by your spirit, Lord. And Lord, the words that we need to hear today, Lord, we don't need the, the work of man. We don't need that, Lord. We need you, Lord. We need your spirit. Give us an ear to hear this morning, Lord. And Father, we pray, help us today, Lord, to be listening to what the Spirit would want to say to us, to encourage us, to lift us up, to bless us, to strengthen us, Lord. We might be able to do the work that you've called us to do, Lord. Lord, this morning we pray that we might have an ear to hear your Spirit, Lord, that we could listen to the voice of the fathers that would sustain the weary. And Lord, give us a word that would cut to the heart, lead us to repentance. A word today that's a demonstration of the Spirit's power. Words today as if they are the very words of God. Lord, we need you this morning. Come, Holy Spirit, give us our daily bread. And Father, we bless you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Recently, I've given myself to go back and study some of the early church history, uh, not so much of the early church as much as it is of uh, Rome and what was happening in Rome around the times of the writings of the Bible and when uh, pa Paul and the others would be doing the work that they were called to do. And during the time of the construction shortly after of the Colosseum and the other wonderful spectacles that were the architecture of Rome. And, you know, Rome has a very uh, complex history, uh, and usually their history became very complex because of the leadership of Rome and the various emperors that came along the way. And we know through reading the New Testament that that uh, the work that was happening in Rome and the, the life that Rome had begun uh, was you maybe perhaps read like the book of Acts and then jump over to the book of Revelation. You see that here is the beginnings of the church doing ministry, doing preaching the gospel and doing the work. And as they began the ministry, they later on faced some problems and John goes in to even describe Rome in uh, terms of comparing them to Babylon and comparing them to just a terrible uh, situation that was happening. And this mainly became about, came about because of the strong hand of Rome upon Christians and Jews. And Christians and Jews both because in the beginnings of the early days of the Christians, uh, Rome was not really sure what the difference was between the Jews and the Christians. They just kind of saw them all as the same. And so anybody and everybody that proclaimed to worship the Lord God Almighty, Jehovah, they went after them with a strong hand and tried to shut them down. And this caused uh, 
great problems in the church. Uh, not so much in the church, but this was created resistance for the church. And the church always had to be mindful of this because every time that they would give their life to Jesus, every time they surrendered themselves to the Lord, it meant most likely that they were going to face affliction that they were going to face suffering, that they were going to face problems over and over again. And we know this to be true. We can go through and read the early stories of some of the, uh, the early church fathers, which would be those who took up the work of the church right after the apostles did. Uh, some would be like the bishop of Smyrna, who Polycarp, who would write about his persecution, or others would write about his persecution for him and his as well, and would describe the immense persecution that came upon him, but yet the wonderful testimony of the power of Jesus despite all of those and so various emperors would come along the way for many, many years from Nero to Domitian to other Roman emperors who would cause great struggle for those in the church and who would not just persecute many Christians, but who would kill many Christians. Many Christians were martyred at the hands of Rome. And so I say all of that to give you perspective of what we're about to read today. Because when we start reading this uh, section of scripture we're going to read, it's helpful to remember the pain that the early believers were dealing with. Not just the pain that they were facing physically, but the grief that they constantly went through, knowing that our brothers and sisters so-and-so was just martyred in the town over where we had just gone and established the work. And so there was always this sense of just immense affliction, immense grief, immense anxiety and worry. And so we see Paul, we see John, we see Peter writing in such a way, James, writing in such a way to encourage the churches that were living in those types of times, that were living in very difficult times. And when you try to keep that in mind and look at our own perspective today, especially here in the U.S., not comparing to other nations, but we really have a sense of ease compared to these early believers and yet they were able to hear these words and some struggled with them and some put them into practice just like today but they're words for us to really take to heart and we're going to look this morning at 2 Corinthians chapter 1 we know that 1 Corinthians was written to the church in Corinth that was facing lots of problems we know that they were going through some terrible things, really. There was just, uh, the problem with Corinth was that Corinth was a port city, just like Norfolk, Virginia. And so all these people from all over that world, part of the world, would come together in that place. And so as they were preaching the gospel, here were people from other backgrounds and, and different religions that were coming together. And it was creating this synchristic culture where you have these people who maybe believed in many gods. And now they're proclaiming one God, one Lord, one faith, one baptism. And so you have all of these like infusion of beliefs right here in Corinth. And so this creates 
created a lots of problems, as we see in 1 Corinthians. It created a lot of problems with immorality. It created problems with spiritual order and service, spiritual gifts that were being used as a mockery. We see this happening in Corinth. But it seems like that Paul's letter to the church in Corinth, and after some time, the church was able to grow and be strengthened. And now we come back, and Paul's writing once again to Corinth. But this time, his letter has a little bit of a different tone to it. And its letter is written in a tone that says, now that your faith has become steadfast and has been established, and you've worked out all of those things, and now you're becoming a strong church, here's what you're beginning to face. And they were beginning to face what many of the other churches were, were around them in many surrounding towns and cities. And that was the problem of affliction. And so this morning, we're going to read here a section of scripture, and then we're going to finish reading the rest later. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all consolation, who consoles us in all our affliction. And we see that word there in consolation. The NRSV uses the word consolation there. Uh, some translations use comfort there. Uh, so you, I will probably use both of those words interchangeably here. So the God of all comfort or the God of all consolation who consoles us in our affliction so that we may be able to console those who are in any affliction with the consolation with which we ourselves are consoled by God. For just as the sufferings of Christ are abundant for us, so also our consolation is abundant through Christ. If we are being afflicted, it is for your consolation and salvation. If we are being consoled, it is for your consolation, which you experience when you patiently endure the same sufferings that we are also suffering. And our hope for you is unshaken, for we know that as you share in our sufferings, so you also share in our consolation. This morning, I want to talk to you about the resume of an encourager. The resume of an encourager. Paul establishes some things here. And we're going to see here in the later scriptures that we read here is that Paul is not just, uh, he's not just sitting in an office somewhere making up theology statements and sending them out. He's going through it. He's dealing with some hard things. And as a matter of fact, he tells them later on that they thought that they were going to die. Just how bad things got. Whatever it was, some type of persecution. We know they faced lots of different types of persecution, whether it was being in prison and being neglected or whether it was being beaten many times. Paul does describe his beatings in the letter to Corinth and the times that he was beat with rods, beat with a cat of nine tails, many different ways that he was persecuted for his faith. So we know that Paul is speaking from a place of experience. And not just the place of experience, but he's speaking through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit that is able to relate to us today through those who are dealing with some affliction. And so there are some things here that before we can talk about what the resume of an encourager looks like, we're going to discuss that more in a moment. There's some things we need to understand about comfort uh, that Paul is talking here or about consolation. 
And I think that word is chosen to be used, consolation, because oftentimes when you and I, living in the U.S., think of comfort, it kind of puts us in the perspective of sitting on the couch, kicked back, looking at the TV, everything's good and easy. But that's not what Paul is talking about here. He's talking about consolation and the sense of having an encounter in such a way that lifts you up having an encounter with a person. Much like the type of consolation that would come after going to a counselor or talking to someone. This is the type of word that he's talking about here. It's that type of consolation. It's that type of comfort that comes after having been poured out and discussing it with someone. You yourself find encouragement because that person has deposited wisdom and life into you in such a way that you say, okay, thank you very much. And that is what Paul is referencing here. So the few things about comfort or a couple things about comfort so that we can talk about the resume. And the first one is that number one, he says here, the God of all consolation who consoles us in all our affliction. The first thing here is that you and I must keep in mind that if we're ever going to encourage, if we're ever going to help anybody, uh, the resume of someone who's going to help others, the resume of someone who's going to encourage or bless others, is that it comes from this statement right here, is that God is the source of all comfort. God is the source of all comfort. The comfort that we need and the consolation that we need, not the comfort of sitting on the couch, the comfort that comes knowing that after I've gone through great turmoil, there's something that is deposited in me that helps me know I am going to make it. This is not the end. And this is what Paul is talking about, is the God of all consolation. That after we have endured the sufferings of Rome, and after the persecution has hit down on us, we know and we can attest to the fact that God is the God of all comfort. He's the God of all consolation. He's the God who's able to attest to the fact that he suffered, and therefore he is acquainted with us in our sufferings and understands them very well. The thing about God being the God of all comfort is that we are not reading a book about a God who never came to earth, as some religions may. And we are not reading about some God who sits far off in a distance and looks at us with his hand stretched out and says, do not approach me. That's not who we're talking about. We're talking about the God who himself put on human flesh for the purpose of enduring suffering for you and I's behalf. That's the God we're talking about. And so therefore, Paul can full well exclaim, along with the other apostles, greater than that is those who are with, in, in Paul's company, who were there when Jesus was being hung on a cross and was being beaten like John and Peter and the others who watched as it was all unfolding, that they could attest to the fact, yes, I absolutely know that he's the God of all consolation because I saw him go through the sufferings that he went through and I saw him also so resurrect from the dead and come and comfort us in our grief and pain. Amen. It's important to understand that if we're ever going to encourage anybody, if we're ever going to help anybody with whatever has happened in our life, and God's going to use that, it has to come from a deep place of understanding, of knowing that God understands suffering. 
Just recently, I heard somebody say a statement like this, and boy, it is the statement of the world against the Lord for some reason, that somehow that God is the God who is just waiting to strike us down. And what, a, a, what a, an offense that is to the gospel when you think about if it's the God who is waiting to strike us down, but yet he himself came and bore suffering for you and I. That makes no sense that he's waiting to strike us down if he himself gave up his life for you and I. But somehow that's how the enemy has twisted the God of all consolation. There's often a perception that thinks God does not know what I'm going through. He has no clue. Where is he at right now? And the question that you and I ought to ask is, where were we at in our sin? But yet he came and bore it anyways. Amen. He bore our sufferings and griefs. He understands suffering. And it's hard for me in many ways to talk about the God of all consolation without going back in my mind and thinking he was marred he was beat to the place where he was no longer recognizable. That he had nails driven through his hands. He had nails driven through his feet. He was stabbed in his side with a spear. But yet he did it because he's the God of all comfort. And if he's the God of all comfort, then he understands surely the sufferings that he went through. He understands exactly what you and I are going through. He goes on to say that he's the, that God is the source of comfort who consoles us. Uh, he's the God of all consolation who consoles us in all our affliction. And sometimes there is this kind of thought with uh, affliction. And I don't know what, uh, you know, the human mind is a, a fickle thing. I don't know why we think the things we think sometimes. But sometimes we go through certain things and we think, well, I know God is with me. But then we go through another thing and then we think, well, God isn't here in this situation. But the Bible tells us clearly that if he's the God of all consolation, he consoles us in all our affliction. So if you're going through affliction, God knows it and he consoles us in all of it. There is no affliction that is left untouched by the Lord if you're a believer in the Lord Jesus. The Bible says he's the God who consoles us in all our affliction. And so if he is the source of comfort, he is going to give help in all of our sufferings, in all of our afflictions. And that is a statement of fact. And a lot of times, oh, how the enemy would love us to think. The enemy takes affliction and he just throws it in our face and really causes us to think twisted things about the Lord. When you're going through a hard time, it's amazing to me what people will begin to think about the Lord. But the Bible shows us here that he is the God of all consolation who consoles us in all our affliction. Number two, the second thing about comfort here is we see he's a God who consoles us in our affliction so that we may be able to console those who are in any affliction with the consolation with which we ourselves are consoled by God. I recently read a quote here from uh, an individual uh, that I thought was inspirational. Uh, if you know her, is Joni Erickson Tata, and she is a quadriplegic, and she pointed out, according to this verse here, is that we can comfort those in any trouble. And you don't have to be a quadriplegic to comfort me, she says, but you must have had suffered. And that's what the Bible tells us here, 
that we may be able to console those who are in any affliction. He consoles us in our affliction so that we may be able to console others in, our affliction, in their affliction. And if you think about this for a moment, it's really a special how this happens. Because here we are going through affliction ourselves. If it's operating in the biblical way, if we're going through affliction ourselves, a hard time. And God is consoling us. He's giving us grace and peace and comfort from the Holy Spirit. But remember, God doesn't create uh, glass jars to put a lid on it and shut it up. And it has a purpose that sits on a shelf. God creates vessels. That, what that means is God creates things that he pours in that are meant to be poured out. And so just like he would fill us with the spirit so that we may operate and use the gifting that God has given us to bless others, so also God gives us affliction, allows the afflictions, uses afflictions rather, to teach us so that we may console others in their affliction. If we're a vessel, we're gonna take what we've gone through and be able to encourage and help others. And that's exactly what Paul is saying here, is that the comfort we receive is meant to be shared. The consolation that comes from the Lord as you're going through a rough time, a difficult time. Listen, I just want to encourage you all. And this is the biblical picture of the Bible. This isn't the USA gospel. This is the biblical picture. Is that what you are receiving, God wants you to share it. The hard time you're going through. Listen, you're not the only one who's gone through a hard time. And as a matter of fact, your hard time story could be the very thing that the other hard time story needs to hear. And it could be what's going to bring in comfort and relief. And so just as we are being consoled by God's presence, therefore the body of Christ is consoling one another. He's left us with both a physical and, or both a visible and invisible of point of consolation. You have the invisible presence of the Lord filling us and putting his spirit in us and consoling us. And the visible presence of the believers wrapping their arms around one another as they're going through their sufferings and saying, I am here with you. I am standing beside you. And it is the visible picture of the church in operation as God would have it to be. It is what makes up comfort. And you see here today as we're talking about comfort, that comfort is spiritual in nature. But when it happens, it is amazing. It is wonderful. It is relieving. It is a blessing. It, this is how the early believers, they were going through the worst of it. Talk about Nero and his crazy mind that he had and was just going after Christians and made a spectacle out of it, persecuting and martyring Christians just because he thought it was fun. But yet the Bible says the God of all consolation was coming, comforting them. And the believers were taking that consolation and encouraging others. And therefore, you and I here today are reading the work of 2 Corinthians. We're reading the work of the rest of the New Testament. Why? Because God was comforting them and they were comforting others so that they would not stop and give up and quit. But you and I may have the words today to know from those early believers that they experienced the God of all consolation. They encouraged one another with the consolation they received. And therefore, Therefore, you and I are doing just the same here today. Amen. He goes on to talk about this consolation that we receive. And he says, just as our sufferings are abundant, so is our consolation. 
If there's a lot of affliction, guess what? The Bible has a wonderful promise. Where there's a lot of affliction, there's a lot of consolation. There's a lot of comfort. Where there's a lot of pain, there's a lot of grace from the Lord Jesus. Where there's a lot of suffering, there's a lot of help from the presence of the Lord. And that is the wonderful promise that you and I have today. That no matter how bad get things get in our life, where pain comes, where affliction comes, God promises consolation comes, comfort comes, strength comes, encouragement comes. And it doesn't come just from anywhere. It comes from the presence of the Lord filling us and working through the believers. And it is a wonderful thing because it is abundant. He goes on to say, if we're being afflicted, it's for your consolation. If we're being consoled, it's for your consolation, which you are experiencing while you patiently endure the same sufferings that we are suffering. He goes on to say, our hope for you is unshaken. For we know that just as you share in our sufferings, so also you share in our consolation. Paul could write this letter to the church in Corinth from wherever he was exactly, distances away, and know, and write them with words of life saying, I know right now, I'm going through a hard time. You're going through a hard time. But I know who God is, and he's the God of all consolation. And I know our hope is unshakable because he's encouraging you. He's filling you with life. So what does the resume look like of somebody who's going to be an encourager from their affliction? What's the resume look like? We're going to read the rest here in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 8. He says, we don't want you to be ignorant, brothers and sisters, of the affliction we experienced in Asia. I want you to know how Paul writes. We were so utterly, unbearably crushed that we despaired of life itself. Indeed, we felt that we had received the sentence of death so that we would rely not on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. And he who rescued us from so deadly a peril will continue to rescue us. On him, we have set our hope that he will rescue us again. As you also in helping us, uh, join in helping us by your prayers so that many may give thanks on our behalf for the blessing granted to us through the prayers of many. If you want to know affliction that looks bad, here it was. Basically, Paul says, we were at death's door. We knew, we thought our lives were about to be over, though they know their, their eternal hope. And such to the point that they said, we despaired life of itself. It seems that whatever they were going through, the pain was so bad that they thought, we don't even want to keep living. It's so bad. It's hurts so bad. And he goes on to say that indeed, we felt that we had received the sentence of death. Why did they receive the sentence of death? Here's the first thing on the resume of an encourager. So that we would rely not on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. In other words, Paul says, we knew even if we died, God raises the dead. Even if all of this is going to cause us to pass away, all of this persecution and suffering, we're going to count on the Lord. The first thing on the resume of someone who's going to be an encourager is this. We rely not on ourselves, but on God. God uses affliction and God uses sufferings to detach us from the sources other than him that we have relied on. Whether it's a 
a, a, a disease that you may have had for years and years and years. Whether it's some type of, of family situation that just never seems to find relief. Whether it's some type of problem that you just keep reoccurring in your mind. Whatever it is, God uses affliction to detach us from the things that we rely on other than Him. And in that process, it is a relief to our soul because we have learned where to place our hope. We have learned to place our hope in the Lord and not in Rome. That's what Paul learned. Paul was not counting on Rome to get better. Paul, Paul was not even looking for the country to get better. All Paul was doing was relying on God to do the work that he had been called to do. The work that he had called to be do did not matter the external circumstances in which he placed. His hope understood that if God has called us to do it, then we will rely on him to do it and he will help us do it. And his detachment from this life and his detachment of the things of this world gave him an eternal perspective to say, even if God so desires and we die and he wants us to keep doing this work, he can raise us from the dead. And that type of talk is not some type of talk that says, I am counting on something in this world to get me out of this. I am relying on God and God alone. And this is what affliction does. And Job talks about this in Job 23. He says, I've gone through all the fire, all the things that he dealt with, so that my heart may be refined as gold. Even others talk about this. Paul talks about it in the letter of Galatians, that we might be refined by fire. And that is what affliction is doing. God has learned long ago. God knew the problem of sin in Adam and Eve, that there would be sufferings on the earth and the problems of sin on the earth. But long ago in the garden, God then established that he would not let affliction destroy anybody, but he would let affliction mold people into the image of him. He would take what Satan had brought upon Eve and use it as an avenue to mold and craft us into the people he's called us to be. As I, I like to call it Genesis 50-20. 50-20 vision is that what was meant for evil, God has made it for my good. And this is what encouragement does. We rely not on ourselves, but on God. And listen, when you're going through affliction and you're going through suffering it is so hard sometimes to do that I know this is one of those things it's easier said than done it's easy to say when you're going through easy times I trust in Jesus I trust in Jesus and boom life stops and we have to ask ourselves but do I really trust in Jesus do I trust in Jesus to help me get through this do I trust in Jesus to walk with me through this do I trust in Jesus to get me the answers that I need in this? Do I trust in Jesus not knowing what tomorrow holds, but yet I can hope in him today? Do I trust in Jesus no matter what? And that is the type of heart that God is looking to craft because that type of heart has learned, though this world pass away, Jesus is my forever. He is all I need. The things of this earth will pass away. But eternity will go on and on. 
And we are learning as this life goes on and on. It's like it's, it's up and down. It's up and down. It's a, a hill to valley, hill to valley, mountain to valley, down, deeps down, depths of darkness, uh, places of wonderful blessing. But yet it is learning to rely not on ourselves, but on God. It is difficult when everything is wonderful to learn to rely not on ourselves, but on God. When everything is wonderful, there is nothing to push us to rely on God. When everything is going exactly the way that we want it to go, there is no catalyst for us to say, you know what, I'm going to rely on God today. But when everything comes crashing down and you're sitting at the depths of rock bottom and you think, what do I do today? Am I going to rely on God to get me out or am I going to rely on myself? And when you begin to survey the damage of the affliction, you realize I have no other option but God to get me out of this. And it teaches us I'm going to rely. I'm not relying on this guy. Boy, I have failed so many times before. Why would I rely on him now in the worst of times? Let's rely on Jesus when things get rough. God uses affliction to detach us. The second thing we see here on this resume of an encourager is that he who rescued us from so deadly a peril will continue to rescue us on him. We have set our hope that he will rescue us again. You'll notice how the first conversation or the first point that they said is that we, we have learned that we would rely not on ourselves, but on God. And then he changes tenses here. He starts talking about the future. And he says, we know we're going to need to be rescued again. We know this isn't the end of this. And we know that God will continue to rescue us. This is what affliction teaches us. It's part of the rhythm of life. We're going to have affliction. And guess what? We're going to have affliction again. That's, that's what it's like to live on earth until we're in heaven. That's the day that God's going to wipe away tears. That's the day that's going to be relief from all of this. But until then, we continue to endure, per persevere, knowing God will continue to rescue us. Affliction is the wonderful reminder that God will, I, I, I hope that you'll hear me today, my friend who's going through a hard time. Not sometimes. Not when you feel like it. Not even when, you don't, when, you, when you're questioning things. That God will always, 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 as long as you and I are calling him Lord Jesus, will always be there. Now and forevermore. Will always. He is able to rescue us now. And he's able to rescue us again. Yes. And the affliction I'm dealing with now helps me understand. Boy, I went through it last time. But that was tough. But this is nothing for God. If he came through last time, he's going to come through again. And one of the first things that people often ask themselves when they're going through suffering and they're going through affliction is, where is God? I can't find him. I can't see him. I can't feel him. And it's when you begin to go through that affliction and when you begin to walk through the waters, when you begin to walk through the fire, that you then begin to understand, even when I didn't feel it and even when I didn't notice it, I know for a matter of fact, God was rescuing me. And with the same power he rescued me, he will rescue me again. God will always, 
always, always, church of the Lord Jesus, just hear it today. No matter how bad things get on this earth, no matter how tough things get in your life, Jesus will always be there. He said it himself. And if Jesus said, I will be with you always, even unto the end, then you and I have no other option but to say, yes, Lord, I believe what you have said. And I am going to trust in your word that he will always be there. It doesn't matter if it's Rome. It doesn't matter if it's disease. It doesn't matter if it's a family problem. Whatever it is, God will always rescue. God will come again and he will rescue. That is the promise that you and I have today. And if you're going through something today, listen, this is a promise for you today. It doesn't matter what you feel like on the inside. It doesn't negate the fact of God's word. God's word is not dependent on our feelings. God's word was established long ago before those feelings ever came. God will always be there as a musician come. The last thing we see here this morning in verse 11 is remember, this is a resume of an encourager. We're not called to be jars that have lids. We're called to be vessels. And God pours into us so that we may pour out to others. And he goes in to admonish them. And watch what he says. This is, this is a wonderful thing I just want to just, uh, just encourage a praying church about. He says, as you also join in helping us by your prayers, so that many may give thanks on our behalf for the blessing granted us through the prayers of many. You see what Paul said? He said that they experienced a blessing. Why? Because there was a church that was praying for them. He said that they were going through affliction that caused them to come to the place that said they even despaired of life. But they gave thanks to the Lord because God helped them. Why? Because there were other people who were praying for them. And I hope this would be a reminder to us today to always pray one for another. You never know what your brother or sister is going through. Some, some battles are never seen. Some battles are always kept hidden. But it's an encouragement to pray one for another. And the very prayer that you pray could be the blessing that they need to help them through. Resume of an encourager. We might have worked on ours through time. They have lots of bullet points. But the main things I want you to remember is that God... We're going to rely on him. He's always going to be there. He's always going to rescue us. And we have to continue praying one for another as they're going through their afflictions. That's what makes an encourager. And the wonderful thing that you discover about that is that if you are living on planet Earth, you face an affliction. If you're going through this life, you're going to face affliction. And God is meant for that to be a source of blessing to other people that God himself would pour into you so that you may bless others. I tell you, the times I've been most encouraged is watching somebody, seeing somebody that I know is going through a hard time, going through a difficult time, and then they just come alongside and try to encourage me. And in my mind, I walk away from those type of conversations and I think, oh God, I'm supposed to be encouraging them. And here they are going through affliction, encouraging me. Why is that? Because God is the God of all comfort. And he does things that don't even make sense. He gives us peace that goes beyond our understanding. 
He fills us with love. It doesn't make sense. The Bible says in Isaiah 53, talking about the suffering servant, the Bible says that surely, surely he has borne our infirmities and carried our diseases. Yet we accounted him stricken, struck down by God and afflicted. But why? He was wounded for our transgressions, crushed for our iniquities, and upon him was the punishment that made us whole. And by his bruises we are healed. He was oppressed, and yes, he was afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth like a lamb that is led to the slaughter, like a sheep that is before its shears and silent, so he did not open his mouth. And he did it, why? Because he poured himself out to death and was numbered with the transgressors. Yet he bore the sin of many and made intercession for the transgressors. Even Jesus in his suffering was making intercession for you and I. He suffered. He bore it. He knows what you're going through. He knows what I'm going through. Better than, what, no, better than I know what I'm going through. He knows. And he understands. Bible reminds us that he's been tested in all points, just like we have. And he wants to continue helping us and strengthening us and blessing us. And in a world that is faced with affliction, a world that is faced with problems and suffering, the church has the wonderful promise of knowing, yes, it is hard, but I know Jesus and he is with me no matter what. Will you stand with me this morning? Every eye close for just a moment here. I just felt so impressed by the Lord today. Just remind my friends, my brothers and sisters in the Lord, I know it's hard. I know it's difficult. But God knows better. And he understands your pain. And he understands your grief. He bore it, actually, upon him. No matter what, he is with you. And this morning, would you allow us the privilege of what Paul says here? Praying for them. Praying for you. That we might pray a blessing upon you. That God would bring strength and help and comfort from his presence. He loves you. He loves you so much. Don't listen to that voice of the deceitful one. He'll take affliction and make you think crazy. Don't do that. No, the Lord sees you. He understands. He knows. This morning, if you need prayer, please come today. We want to stand with you. The wonderful thing is, is that as you come today, there are going to be people that come behind you and they themselves have been through affliction. And they themselves are going to pray from a place of affliction, knowing, Lord, the same comfort that you gave me, would you give my brother and sister in the Lord? Would you help them? Come this morning. Lord, today we call on your name today, Jesus. We lift up our voices to you today. The God of all comfort, we thank you, Jesus. We bless you, Lord. You're the God of all consolation. Thank you, Jesus, today. Thank you, Lord, that what flows from your presence is mercy and grace in time of need. 
thank you, Jesus. Lord, there are rivers flowing from your throne, Lord. And God, I'd like to think there are rivers of mercy and grace flowing from your throne to us today, Lord. Oh, God, today, with the God of all consolation, with the God of all comfort, console us this morning, Lord. Those who are going through affliction and suffering, Lord, with the presence of the Lord Jesus, just come, fill us. Peace, strength, grace, and help from your presence. Come today, Lord. Come, Jesus, come. And Lord, help us, those who have gone through affliction, help us to pray for our brothers and sisters. Pray that we might encourage them and pray a blessing upon them. Come, Holy Spirit, today, Lord. We bless you, Jesus. We worship you, Lord. There's nobody like you, Father. You're wonderful, Lord. Your power is great, Lord, and mighty, Father. Lord, you are not scared of Rome. You are not scared of disease, Lord. You are not scared of suffering or affliction, Lord. As a matter of fact, Lord, you have walked with us through it, Lord. You have took it head on, Lord, knowing it well indeed, Father. So, Lord, today, we pray strength and perseverance, Lord, today. We pray comfort from your presence, Lord, and fresh strength to do what we've been called to do, Lord. Oh, God, that we might run the race with endurance, Lord. We pray today, Lord, that nothing may hinder us, Lord, that God fresh help would come from the Holy Spirit, Lord. Send your presence, Lord, today, God. Come in a mighty way, Lord, and breathe life on us today, Lord. Lord, we look to you today. We're not relying on ourselves, God. We're going to rely on you today, Lord. So, Father, help us this morning as we survey the things we've been clinging to, Lord. God, we don't want to cling to them anymore. We want to cling to Jesus. So, Lord, help us to hold tightly to you, Lord. Help us to walk with you, Father, to cling unto you, Lord, no matter what, Father. Lord, today I pray against the voice of the enemy, Lord, who would cause a, who would cause confusion and chaos in our affliction, Lord, today. And Father, we rebuke the devourer, Lord. We silence the mouth of the one who would bring confusion, Lord. And God, instead, we pray peace that surpasses all understanding would come from your presence, Lord, today, Lord. Perfect peace, Lord Jesus. Lord, you said, God, your word teaches us that even the winds and the waves obey you. So even so, Lord, we pray today, God, you can speak to our affliction today, Lord, and bring peace. So do it there this morning, Lord Jesus. And God, we pray through our affliction, make us an encourager, Lord Jesus. God, you haven't called us to be shut up like a, a jar, Lord, but you've made us to be vessels, Lord, to pour out. So God, fill us with consolation that we might console others, Lord. Send help from your Holy Spirit today. Send grace and strength, Lord. Lord, you bore it, Father. You know it. So come this morning, Lord. Fresh strength today day from your presence fresh strength from your presence Lord we bless you Jesus we bless your name today Lord we look to you Jesus we bless you hallelujah to the Lamb oh we honor you Jesus we bless your name today bless you Jesus hallelujah to the Lamb hallelujah to the on those who are standing back this morning would you just pray for those up front today just call them to the Lord let's do what the Bible teaches us pray one for another Lord for their affliction God we pray today strengthen them this morning Lord you know God better than we do God bring strength today Lord. help them father this morning Lord 
Oh God, let your love cover them, Jesus. You're singing over them with your love today, Lord. You're singing over them with your love, Jesus. We worship you.